This podcast is brought to you by Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce. A great sauce starts with the best ingredients. Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is that great sauce. Inspired by our founder's original recipe, Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is made with delicious ingredients, including vine-ripened tomatoes, chopped onions, garlic, and olive oil, simmered together for the authentic taste you and your family will want to come back to. For recipes, sauces, and mealtime inspiration, visit ragu.com. 28-year-old Joshua Brown, a father of three young children, was brutally murdered this past weekend. It wasn't a random act of violence. Joshua was targeted and shot to death right outside of his home. As you may know, he was a key witness in the murder of Botham Jean and testified in the case last week. They were neighbors. Over the past 72 hours, we've actually come close to solving this murder. Today, I want to unpack and explain it to you and then tell you what's next. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. When Joshua Brown arrived to testify in court in the murder case of Botham Jean, the Amber Geiger case, attorney Lee Merritt noticed two strange facts that he kind of set to the side. He had no idea that they would later be clues into a man's murder. First, when Joshua showed up in court, he wasn't dressed for it. If you've seen pictures of him in court, he showed up in a Dragon Ball Z t-shirt, and he was known as a sharp dresser. And nobody else showed up to court like that. And so it stood out, like as if he was unprepared to be there. And when Joshua got ready to testify, something very strange happened. He wasn't sworn in, at least in the courtroom. He didn't raise his right hand. He didn't swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And every other witness did this except for Joshua. Again, the attorneys and some courtroom observers, they saw that, but they had no idea just how important those two clues would later become. As it turns out, unbeknownst to us, Joshua was actually sworn in earlier. He didn't even want to be there. Joshua's family, they have told us that he communicated to the prosecutors and the judge that testifying would put his life in danger. In fact, to avoid the trial altogether, Joshua upped and left Texas for California, but prosecutors told him that if he did not return, that they would issue a warrant for his arrest. When the trial began, Joshua refused even then to return back to Dallas. They started harassing his mother, and if any of you uh, are close with your mother, you would understand that that's a way to get to a man. They began harassing his mother, telling her, that they would arrest Joshua if he didn't show up. And when prosecutors continued to hound Joshua and his mother, 
he finally got on a plane to Dallas and literally went straight from the plane to the courtroom. That's why he showed up in a T-shirt. He didn't even have time to change his clothes. And when Joshua got there, Judge Tammy Kemp swore him in in her chambers and then rushed him right into the courtroom. Now, in the courtroom, and even for people watching on television, I noticed this. It was clear from the start of his testimony that Joshua was emotional and nervous. And I assumed, and most of the people who were watching assumed it was just because of the weight of Botham's murder. I mean, he was Botham's next-door neighbor and had literally spoken to Botham earlier that morning. And we assumed that Joshua was just nervous because of that. But now we know that Joshua had just communicated directly to Judge Kemp that he was afraid that testifying under oath was going to get him killed. And I want to play an audio clip for you of Judge Tammy Kemp. It's going to be hard for you to hear it, but I'll break it down for you. We'll play it twice. This is right after Joshua Brown testified. He asked her if he could be dismissed. And then quietly, under her breath, Judge Kemp nods her head and says to the bailiff, of course, I'm surprised he came. Let me play the audio for you. Let me play the clip for you just one more time. She says, of course, I'm surprised he came. Now, I have that video, and it may help you to be able to follow her mouth moving with those words. I have that video up right now on my Instagram. And let me break down for you what we've learned about why Joshua Brown was so nervous to testify. Break it down. down. Eleven months ago, just two months after Botham Jean was shot and killed, this past November, Joshua Brown and a friend were shot at by two men. And Joshua's friend, this is horrible, Joshua's friend was actually shot and killed, and Joshua himself was shot in the foot. Now, I've had half a dozen people reach out to me about this shooting. It was a widely known event on the streets of Dallas. One man, I am told, went to prison for this as the fall guy, But the other man who actually did the shooting was never held responsible. And Joshua was terrified. His newborn son was just one month old. And Joshua was terrified that these people might come to his home and shoot and kill him or even kill his family. In fact, Joshua's family is still afraid for their safety right now. Mind you, Joshua's next-door neighbor had just been shot and killed in September. Then his friend was shot and killed right next to him in November, and Joshua was shot. And for the past 11 months, Joshua Brown has lived in a constant state of fear that he was going to be shot and killed. Because of this, unbeknownst to any of us, Joshua had basically been in hiding for nearly a year. He communicated this to the judge and to the prosecutor, 
but they did something that basically cost Joshua his life. They forced him to testify in open court. Now, we never saw this, but several people who were there have now communicated this to me. During the trial of Amber Geiger, an undercover police officer also testified. But the judge was careful, very careful, to make sure that all of the media and all of the cameras were removed from the courtroom during anything remotely related to that undercover officer. Why? Because exposing this person's identity could get them killed. By not extending that same privilege to Joshua, it immediately exposed him to the same man who shot and killed his friend last year. The court should have done more to protect Joshua. He clearly knew, he clearly communicated that he was in danger, and he told them as much. But they didn't take the steps that they needed to take to protect this man as they did to the police and the undercover officer, and truthfully, with all of the courtesies that they extended to Amber Geiger, they did not extend that level of protection to Joshua Brown. Multiple people have told me that when Joshua testified in open court, when he did so for the prosecution, that it caused men who wanted to see him dead, the men who shot at him just 11 months ago, to see him as a snitch. And in a post that's now been deleted from Facebook, someone actually commented to Joshua on Facebook that now, quote, now we know where you live. Whoever killed Joshua Brown did what they did for the sole purpose of killing him. He wasn't a bystander. They came to his home. They didn't steal anything. They came there shot, killed him, and left. And my friend Bill Perkins, who is famous for being a world-class poker player but is actually a skilled investor, Bill has put up $100,000 for the reward in this case. And if you know anything, or you know anyone who does, you can call anonymously at 1-877-373-8477 and your identity will never be revealed. This is a system, and this is a team that will go out of their way to protect your identity. Again, you can call 1-877-373-8477. Break it down. Thank you all so much for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you to subscribe on your favorite podcast apps like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please share this podcast with your friends and family, because our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers, and we're not going to get there without you. Thank you, of course, to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so very much. And if you listen to this podcast and you want to support our work or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you'd consider becoming a founding member of our community. You can do that right now at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have all of our podcasts, 
but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, a shout out to our associate producer, Lissandra, and our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for their hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce. A great sauce starts with the best ingredients. Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is that great sauce. Inspired by our founder's original recipe, Ragu Old World Style Traditional Sauce is made with delicious ingredients, including vine-ripened tomatoes, chopped onions, garlic, and olive oil. Simmered together for the authentic taste you and your family will want to come back to. For recipes, sauces, and mealtime inspiration, visit ragu.com.